I was uh, in Eretzel during the first Gulf War. And um, there's something about imminent missile attack that has an uh, impact. Well, you hope it doesn't have an impact, but it, it often will have an impact on you and your family. And uh, you can imagine, you know, the preparations leading up to it. You have to take your kids and, you know, you get gas masks and children gas masks and little gas cribs, you know, which are these rectangular plastic things that you put the baby in and roll them up and stick them in, you know. Luckily, they have a little gloves so you can reach the nerve gas shot in case you have to give it. And you set up one room in your house where you put a piece of plastic over the window, you know, and you have tape and you tape up the door and a towel soaking in water and baking soda to take the bottom, you know, just in case one of the missiles should come through and happens to have poison gas and it breaks your window, you know. So some people get nervous. Some people get nervous. You know? So they went to Shlomo Zalman Orbach at the time. And they said, Rebbe, what's going to be? And he said, I'm not a Navi, and I'm not a Ben Navi. As you were doing, we just saw that expression. Yeah? I'm, not a, I'm not a Navi, I'm not a Ben Navi. But this much I tell you, for sure. January 15th is the deadline that they gave Iraq to pull out of Kuwait. I tell you, on January 16th, Claudius was going to say, Hala. And this year we're going to eat meat on Tishabah. And the, the word spread through Yerushalayim. Hushlova Zalman. Right? My good friend of Hanukh Teller wrote a biography called From Jerusalem His Word, which is a must-read, just to get some insight into, into Hushlova Zalman. And he says, did you hear Hushlova Zalman said we're going to say hello on January 16th, right after the deadline. And we're going to eat meat on Tishabah. And then somebody realized that January 16th was Rosh Chodesh, and we always say Hallel. <laughs> and that year Tishabov came out on Shabbos. But, you know, for a little while there, you know, before we realized when Shlomo Zaman was having a little fun at our expense, you know, there was, there was a, a, an excitement and a thrill. Now, I want to tell you, I don't really believe that Shlomo Zaman was having fun. I think he was trying to tell us a deeper, uh, a deeper answer. And that is, we're going to say hala. And we're going to eat on, eat on Tishabov. And the question is, what are we going to do with it? So, um, this is a, um, one of, and not to take away from all the tremendous work uh, that Ari Mandel put into putting this together, and all of the events that he does, and the tremendous chusarabim that he has, because of all the tremendous things that he does, that I, I, only the second time I get to participate, but I'm always following through. Every summer I get the phone call if I'm going to be in or not, you know. And, um, and, uh, but I have to say, this is one of the mistakenly named programs. This is not Shavasa Thomas. This is the 18th of Thomas. <laughs> Yesterday was the 17th of Thomas. Now, okay. You know, I don't be You know, there's a concept. There's a concept, you know. When I was a kid, I remember I had a riddle book and it said, is there a 4th of July in England? Says, yes, there is. And a 5th of July and a 6th of July. You know what I'm saying? The, the 4th of July is just a date. But what the question really is, is do they have an Independence Day like we have? Do they have, not the date July 4th, but do they have a July 4th? Yeah? And the answer is no, by the way. I had a student who was English, and he told me there's only two dates that every English student has to remember. 1066 and 1966. Those of you who know your history, 1066 was when William the Conqueror uh, defeated the Anglo-Saxons and set up what became modern England. That was in 1066. And 1966 was the last time England won the World Cup. (laughs) Which, for those of you who are Americans and have no idea what I'm talking about, the entire world plays soccer. But I mean the entire world. Every single country. And they take it very seriously. When a country's team is playing, you can't reach anybody on the phone in the whole country. Everybody's watching. And they take it very seriously. In Colombia, the guy kicked the ball into the wrong side's net. When he came off the plane, they shot him. I mean, they take this very seriously. Everywhere in the world except in America, we could care less, you know? We take an American baseball team and they play another American baseball team and we call it the World Series. You know what Because uh, we don't really care about anybody. But, uh, but we have the 4th of July because the 4th of July is Independence Day. 
It's not a din in 4th of July, although I have to say, it's one of the few days that there's still, there's a Kedusha Boba Yom, you know? Most of it, when I was growing up, so we celebrated February 12th was Abraham Lincoln's birthday, and February 22nd was Washington's birthday, and then they just combined it all into a weekend, President's Weekend. They move everything to weekends, you know, that becomes, that becomes more important, you know, you should get a long weekend. And July 4th still has a concept. So, although yesterday was Shavas of Atamas, today is Shavas of Atamas in the sense of how we are commemorating it. Tishvav is very strange, because, again, Tishvav is on Shabbos, and uh, it's a machlekes, whether or not you even have to make it up, whether it's even hashlumen for it. But you understand that if you do, so already be chatzois of the tenth, the basement just stop burning. It's, uh, it's, it's something that's taking you in a whole different context. And the halakhas are different, and there's all kinds of different things about it. I mean, this is a year with a tremendous opportunity that there's no tishvav being observed, only a nincha afterwards. So to today, we are commemorating Shavas Batamas. It doesn't make a difference, though, because the events play themselves out. We are now in the three weeks, you know, um, we went uh, up to the mountains. I did a Shabbos up in the mountains this past week. And uh, on the way back, I had to break the news to my daughter that she could not play her music on the way back. I am at an age now where I look forward to the three weeks because they can't play their music. I know it's a little twisted, but what can I tell you, you know? So they put on, she put on the acapella, which somehow manages to be rockier than the actual music. I don't know how they do this. It is one of the miracles of our time. But, uh, you know, so the, the idea is that we're into the three weeks. The three weeks are bracketed by two events. By Shavos of and Tishavos. And the events that cause the two events, of course, is the breaking of the Luchos, after we built the Egel, and the Miraglim. Those events are separated by over a year. Right? Um, Moshe goes up on Shavuos to get the Luchos. And he comes down on Shavuos Batamos, And he sees the Egel. And he breaks the Luchos. And he destroys the Egel. And he says, listen, HaKadosh Baruch is going to destroy you people. I'm going to do the best I can. And he goes up for another 40 days and 40 nights. And he says, I got good news. Hashem's not going to destroy you. But no longer will he be Shochan the, the, you know, he won't be with you. He took his tent, set it up outside the machina, called it the oil moed, and that's where he went. He separated himself away. And me and the Kaddish Baruch will stay there, and you guys will stay over here and have a nice time. Right? That's the way it was set up. So uh, the people said, no. We want it back the way it was, which is an unbelievable finish. It's not so pushed that you can undo something like this. But they were able to. Interesting, they couldn't undo the Maragam. They couldn't. They all died in the Midbar. And even though they woke up the next morning and they all put on their arms and they took their swords and they said, okay, we made a mistake and now we're going to go up. And they said, sorry, it's too late. That's it. It's over. Last chance. So he goes up for another 40 days and 40 nights, comes down on Yom Kippur with the second set of Luchos, then they announced the building of the Mishkan. According to the Gra, they started building it on Sukkis. That's when the Anani Akkadosh came back. That's why we celebrate the Anani Akkadosh on Sukkis. They dedicated the Mishkan on Rosh Kodesh Nisan of the next year. They, the Nesim all brought their, I'm going to bring the Seda Olam, the Nesim all brought their Matonis for your days. Then we had Pesach. And then people were Tomei and they asked for another Pesach. We had Pesach Sheni. And then on the 20th of Eo, we began our triumphal march into Eretzel. Three days, and then the people said, are we there yet? I'm tired. The trip is too hard. And then they said, you know, I haven't had a good steak in, I don't know, forever. Wouldn't it be nice to have meat? And that, and Ms. Adam went on for a month. And then we had to wait a week for Miriam because she was Chutzlamachneh. And now we're finally ready. We're ready to march today. So they say, let's send Maraglim. And they come back on the 8th of Av, and the people quite cry that night of Tishagav, and Hashem says, that's it. So the actual events were separated by a year and three weeks. 
But we put the two of them together, and we see throughout history they go together. The Romans broke through the walls of Yerushalayim on Shivas of Atamus, and they destroyed the base of Mikdash on the 9th. So it's, these two events take place. Rashi says in at least four places that the Maraglim was the follow-through of the Cheta Egel. In Pasha's Bermidbah, he says Shevet Levi would not be counted with everybody else because since they didn't serve the Egel, so when we make the, the Gezerah against everybody to die in the Midbar, I don't want them counted because even though they did the Cheta of the Maraglim, they didn't do the Cheta of the Egel. It's a continuation. He predates it a year. Why? Because really this Gezerah that we should have all died in the Midbar, he was going to make for the Egel, but he waited, says Rashi, until we finished the Cheta. The Maraglim was just the follow-through of the Egel. And for the past 3,300 years, this is what happens. We're Mechabal the Torah and Shavuos. Moshe goes up for 40 days. We build an Egel, he comes down, he breaks the Luchas, we send out the Maraglim, and we all die in the Midbar. This happens over and over again, and it will continue happening until we make a change. Not easy. As Winston Churchill said, man will occasionally stumble upon the truth, but he usually picks himself up and keeps going. Yeah? So occasionally we will get an insight, occasionally we will get an inspiration, occasionally there's this sense that we're going to change, and then we go on. I mean, it's, it's changed dramatically. Uh, have you ever heard this discussion? I don't mind the nine days. I like milchiks. <laughs> you know? I live in HL. There are people who don't really mind not to shower for nine days. You know? Some of them are machbid all year to keep you know, that particular minute. You know what I mean? It doesn't bother them, you know? And uh, now they get the acapella music. They can listen to their music. They live in the viset on that. You know, and that's it. It's just something we wait to be over. I went to a firm sleepaway camp, and and chatzais of the tenth of Av, we all gathered around the swimming pool in our bathing suits, and they counted down on the loudspeaker: four, three, two, one, yay! I was so happy. They finished burning down that building. We jumped in the pool. We were so happy, and they started the music. Na 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 na. I was like, oh, Gavaldik. That's over, you know. So, okay, so this is an ordeal that we have to try to get through. You sit on the floor, you try to find a more meaningful Tishabov program, watch a Holocaust film, you know what I mean? Keep trying to shift your weight because you're losing feeling in your legs, you know what I mean? You try to find better explanatory kinas, you know. And, you know I, I saw somebody come in with a leather-bound kinas. There was an altiyid, and, and he, he cracks... Mamish like an altiyid, you know. He says, it's a minute you're supposed to leave your kinnis in shul because you won't need it next year. You know, that's why when I was a kid, we always had those paper kinnis, you know what I mean? And you're supposed to leave it in shul because you, uh, you wouldn't need it next year. When you start leather-bounding, <laughs> leather-binding your kinnis, I'm going to hold on to it. I do a program in show when I'm there. And more than once, people have come over to me and said, that was the most meaningful Tishabov program I ever went to. I can't wait till next year. <laughs> it makes you think, are we missing something in the translation, right? So, okay, you know, when things get bad enough, when things get bad enough, we have no choice. We'll cry out Takadish Baruch. So far we manage. We manage. I live in Israel. We used to throw rocks at our cars, so we put these metal screens on the windows. They said shooting us with that bulletproof glass. You know what I mean? When they come up with the bazookas, I don't know what we're going to do. We'll have to drive tanks. You know what I mean? You know? Yeah, you have to say that. You know? During the Lebanon War that summer, I remember there were all these tours in Israel. They didn't go back. State Road was under missile attack. A third of the country was in bomb shelters. And we all went on our lives. You know? Okay. No, no, you can't go up north. So we'll go, we'll go this way. We'll go that way. We can still find ways to maneuver around the missiles. You know? A third of the United States, I mean, that's from the Atlantic Ocean to the Mississippi. Could you imagine if a third of the United States were in bomb shelters? You know, I imagine that would have a dramatic impact on the entire country. Maybe not California, but everybody else, you know? How could you live that way? You have to say that. You have to say that. That's not bad enough yet, you know? I hope it doesn't get. I hope that we 
take an opportunity like today to stop and look and think and say, how can I break this cycle? Because right now we are stuck. Shavas of has happened. Mashiach didn't come. Which means we built the Egel and Moshe broke the Luchos like he has done for the past 3,300 years. So if we're going to drag the pattern, we have to figure out what's the mistake. Where is the problem and how do we fix it? And I think when we identify the problem, you'll understand why we haven't fixed it for 3,300 years. Because it's a very, very powerful problem that almost all of us are struggling with. Okay, let's look at the story of the Egel. People ask a question. I've never understood this question. There are a lot of questions. I don't understand the question. Part of that's my Chavetz Chaim upbringing, you know. They say, you know, different people from different yeshivas get up to Olam Haba. You can fill in the yeshivas, you know. Say, what did you accomplish in a lifetime? I learned a thousand block. What did you accomplish? Three thousand. What did you accomplish? Five thousand. Chavetz Chaim guy, they say, what did you accomplish? What do you mean? I don't understand the question. What do you mean accomplish? How much did you learn? What do you mean learn? Like, really? No? Like, really? I, I don't know. What do we know? You know? So he says, well, say over the Torah. He says, no, it doesn't work that way. You say one, and I'll slug you up. You understand? That's always my upbringing, you know? When I was in yeshiva, we spent a week on Rebbe Kiva Eger, and we concluded we had no mahalach. After a week. And I said to the Rebbe, so we didn't accomplish anything. He says, it's not true. We proved that nobody else has a mahalach either. And that was a tremendous level of accomplishment. So I have trouble understanding questions. Right? There's one question they always ask. Why does Rosh Hashanah come before Yom Kippur? Right? A lot of the Mepharshim ask this question. I don't understand. How could you have a day where I forgive you until I've had a trial and I find you guilty? So I have to have a trial before I can have forgiveness. But I understand that there's different aspects of the question. But to me, it's kind of straightforward. Um, people ask the following question. The Dordea? which stood at Har Sinai and heard HaKadosh Baruch Hu speak, 40 days later they can turn around and build an Egel. How is such a thing possible? And I say, how did the people, how did Shevet Levi, how did Aaron and Chorah and Yehoshua not build the Egel? How did they not get swept up into it? So if you read the simple story, the question that everybody asks is obvious, but if you look at Rashi, I think my question is more obvious. Says the Pasuk, They saw that Moshe delayed coming down, and they all assembled on Aaron. What happened to Korah? We killed him. Yeah? Make a God to go before us. We don't know what happened to this man, Moshe. So he says, Okay, ask your wife for their jewelry. And they would not give him their jewelry. According to Rashi, they brought their own jewelry. According to Das Canaan, they ripped it off their wives. And they brought it off. Your wives gave it to you? No, we ripped it off and off of them. Okay, makes sense. So he throws it in, and poof, out comes Egel Masecha. This is your God of Egypt. And Aaron saw. Doesn't say what he saw. Tomorrow will be a holiday. So you read this story, it sounds terrible. Now let's fill in Rashi. Kiboshesh. When Moshe went up, he gave him a sentence. At the end of 40 days, by noon, by the sixth hour, I will return. And what happens? And the test Zion, Boha Sotan, the Arve Vesaolam. Arve Vesaolam. Mixed up the world, confused the world. What does that mean? The Hara Demus Choshech Va'afela Va'arbuvia. And he showed them the appearance of darkness, deep darkness, and Arvuvia. Mixture, confusion. Loima Vadai Mes Moshe. It must be that Moshe died. Lekach Ba'avuvia La'olam. That's why this Avuvia came, because Moshe died. And they come to Aaron and they say, Kizer Moshe Ha'ish, Kimin Demus Moshe 
They saw Moshe dead being carried up to Shemayim. Let's put this into context. Or as we say in Hebrew, context. You know? uh, if you don't know how to speak Hebrew and you're worried about making Aliyah, don't worry about it. It's just turning into English with a bad accent. Don't worry about it. Just wait and every single word will be an English word with an accent. That's all. You know? And I said to somebody, I said, why do you even waste your time trying to pretend you have a language? Just switch to English. He said, I'm up to me. <laughs> has no idea that's even an English word. I said, can, can he be shock? He said, but must tragedy. <laughs> that's a Hebrew word, by the way. You know, you have to learn words by Indian individuality. But anyway, so... Um, the best is if you want to buy an attaché case. You know, he said in Hebrew, Tick James Bond. <laughs> because the James Bond movies came before they had attaché cases. They saw an attaché case, they figured, oh, the Tick James Bond. <laughs> but that's how it is. I don't know, I don't, I don't get the language. You know, you say a back axle of a car, back axle. Now you say front axle, back axle kidney. But anyway. <laughs> So uh, don't worry about it. You can come. <laughs> oh, you'll, you'll, you'll speak the language just fine. Anyway, so, um, so let's put this into context. Moshe says, okay, guys, here's the, here's the plan. I'm going to go up on Har Sinai, and Hashem's going to speak to me, and I'm going to speak to you. You got it? Sure. I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to speak to you. That'll be great. And the people say, no, Moshe. We want to hear Hashem speak ourselves. And Moshe says, are you sure you're ready for this? Because if you're not on the level of this Nebuah, it will be a truly wrenching experience. Avinu fell on his face and was shaking, you know, because he wasn't on that level. Me, I can speak to Hashem, but most people can't handle that. If you aren't ready on the Nebuah, it could rip your Neshama out of your body. Are you sure you're ready for this? Yes. Yes, we are. Okay, prepare for three days. Let's get ready. Very exciting. We all spend at Harsinai. And Moshe, Moshe stands there and Hashem himself speaks the first of the Dibros. Bam! Everybody dies. But everybody. Except for Moshe. Aaron's dead. Hor is dead. It's all shame. It's dead. It's family's dead. Everyone's dead. It's surprising to say the most, the least. Yeah. So Hashem brings everybody back to life. A little woozy. I don't know what it's like to have your neshama ripped out of your body and put back in, but based on my reading, uh, I can't imagine that that's pleasant. Yeah? So everyone's a little punch drunk, and he said, you guys okay? Yeah, okay. Go ahead, Hashem. No yelacha, bam! Everyone dies again, but everybody is dead, and Moshe is looking, and all of Kali Israel dead, and he says, you know, Kodesh Baruch this is really making me nervous, and Hashem says, I do this all the time. Don't worry. <laughs> Brings everybody back to life. He says, you guys okay? No, this is twice. You guys okay? Yeah, I think so. Only eight to go. And one guy says, you know, I'm thinking, how about Hashem speaks to Moshe and Moshe tells him to us? Yeah, that's a great idea. Great idea. Make that guy your nose. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. But don't you want to hear it from Akash Baruch himself? Nope. We are convinced. There's only so many times I'm prepared to die for this. So Moshe, you, you get the inside track, we'll watch you, and guess what? We trust you at this point. There's something incredibly dramatic of dying twice that really wins people's confidence. So you go ahead, Moshe, let Hashem tell it to you and tell it to me. Now, what happened at that moment when they made that choice? What happened to that choice was that they felt completely dependent on Moshe Rabbeinu. And I need Moshe for everything. What if Moshe wasn't there? What if I had to face a Kaddish Baruch myself? And every time I have to learn a halacha, sitting there at the Shabbos table, is this Boreh? Uh, you know, and that's it, you're dead. You don't have to wait for Tchir Samaisim, you know? That's, I, I see people, you know, fall asleep during halacha shiurim, but it's, this is a whole different thing, you know what I mean? This is like really in a different context, you know? So, uh, he says, can you imagine? So Moshe says, I'm going to come back by noon, okay? Don't, don't get nervous. I'll be back by noon. I'll hurry back. And he walks into the flames and the smoke, and he's there, and they're all sitting around going, okay, 
can't wait for him to come back, you know, because we're really nervous. And they made a mistake. They counted the first day. They shouldn't have. Comes the 16th, which according to them is the 40th day, and it's almost noon. And suddenly they see Choshech and Aphela and Arvuvia. What was the significance of this? They remember, well, Moshe wrote for them the, the Torah till Matan Torah. So they read through it. They knew a posik, vayi erev vayi voket yom hashishi. Says Rashi, hashishi, the sixth of Sivan. If you accept the Torah, good. And if not, the world will return to Tovo. Vayi erev vayi voket. Erev means a mixture. There are no boundaries. Light and darkness mixed together. Can you even imagine such a concept? I am sure everybody when you learn that Rashi, you try to picture a little checkerboard, you know, there's things flowing together. What does that mean? How is there no gulot between darkness and light? Yeah? There's no dry land. The water covers everything. There's darkness, there's nothingness, everything is overcome. What are you supposed to do in a situation like that? There's nothingness. And a Kodesh Baruch Hu set the world into order. And now they are watching the time-space continuum unraveling before their eyes. I don't know what that looks like, but it means the world returning to a state of chaos of primal matter, where all of the Seder, where all of the rules of physics vanish, where all of the matter and the way that they exist are disappearing. Can you imagine what that's like? I can't even imagine. And so the people are watching the universe collapsing, and then they see Moshe dead going up to Shemayim. Whoa! So now we've got a real limited period of time now to save the universe before the entire world turns back into Tovo. And I see things melting around me. So I've got to do something fast. And I come to Aaron and Hor. And I say, guys, we've got to do something here. The entire world is collapsing. And Hor says, please return to your tents. There is nothing to see. Please disperse. There is nothing to see. And they're like, this guy is stopping us. Do you see the entire world is ending? So they kill him because there's always somebody guarding the nuclear bomb that you have to, you know, uh, defuse. You know, I mean, so you've got to get him out of the way. And they come to Aaron. They say, Aaron, you're a great guy, but you ain't your brother Moshe, right? When when Hashem spoke, you died along with the rest of us. And if Moshe couldn't handle this, then no man, Haish Moshe, no human being can do this. And we're going to have to build a mishkan, something to communicate with Hakadosh Baruch Hu, something to use. The ego wasn't stama. Vodazara, people aren't stupid, bowed down to a rock. This was pulled down from the Kisei Akava. There was a power to this. What is the power to this? Yeah? The Gra on Chad Gad Yah. Yeah? Va'asa Chutra, Vachika Likalba. And the stick comes and hits the dog. Says the Gra, the dog is uh, Paro. Brings in Medrashrab. And the stick is the Mata Moshe. And the fire burns it. What's the fire? The fire of Bayes Rishon when Bavel destroyed it. That was the end of the Mahalach of the Mata. The Mata took them out of Mitzrayim, built the Mishkan, built the base of Mikdash, and now the base of Mikdash was destroyed. And as far as they know, that is the end of the entire process. And that's why the Gemara Megillah says, they asked Yechezko and Nabi, do we still have to keep the Torah Bechla? God, God threw us away. He doesn't want us anymore. Burnt the base of Mikdash. Burnt our house, threw us away. If a man divorces a wife, then he doesn't really have a right to tell her what to do at that point. Right? That's what the Gemara says. Yeah? Those of you who have ever dealt with divorced couples know that that's completely not true. But, you know, but... Uh, you know, in theory, I don't have to listen to you anymore because, you know, because you sent me away. Because Baruch sent us away. What do you want from me? It's over. That was the matter. When you, so, you, you ever think about this? You remember when the Vat doesn't want him to go back to the base of Mikdash. So he doesn't build one eagle, he builds two eagles. You would think if there's one thing that has been 
embedded in the collective subconscious of the Jewish people that you don't do, you don't build the golden calf. I would put that at the top of the list of things you don't do. And he built two of them? So says the Radak, because he came to them with a svara and said, why were they wrong for building the Egel? Because they thought Moshe was dead. They were wrong. But if he was, that's the correct fallback plan. And that's why even when the northern kingdom got rid of all the Avodah they kept those at Golim because Yerobim and Nevada was the Godel Ador, convinced them that that is the alternative Avodah Hashem that we're supposed to do. So they say, we've got to do something. So Aaron looks at the crowd, sees Chor dead. He says, I could do the same thing that Chor did and I could die, but that's not going to stop the people. So he says, stall for time, stall for time. Ask your wives for their jewelry. And they go to their wives and they say, give us your jewelry. He said, why? He says, because Moshe's dead. No, he's not. Yes, he is. We saw him dead. No, he's not. Don't you see the entire world unraveling? No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Give me your jewelry. I'm not giving you my jewelry. Oh, forget about it. Oh, uh, 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 I hope those were clip-ons. Uh. <laughs> wives can be that way. You know? It's part of their nature. Right? Emuna is related to the word aim. Because when you're a little infant, and you can only see from here to there, that's how far you can see. So that when you're nursing, you can see your mother's face. And you can't move. You can wave your arms and legs. You can't move. And you're lying in a crib. And you're lonely. And you're cold. And you're dirty. And you're hungry. And you start to cry. And out of nowhere, these arms come and pick you up. That's how you learn Emuna. And the Kaddish Baruch who comes and picks us up when we're in trouble. If we just believe it, he's going to be there when we're in trouble. He'll come and he'll save us. So the women had a Muna. They couldn't explain everything. Men need to understand things. They don't even need to understand things. They already know. They know already. Moshe Shapiro once said, you know, everybody wants to impact the world. So a husband reads the paper and then yells at his wife. What does Obama think he's doing? What are they going to crazy than that? Finished. He solved all the world's problems. He yelled at his wife. <laughs> I'm sure now Obama's going to change his policies. <laughs> it's all done, you know? Everybody wants the impact, you know? That's why I was just up in, in the Casca Mountains. I assume all of us have been there at some point. So men have this idea that they don't need directions. So before there was ways... In, in the old days, there was what was called the GPS. And before there was a GPS, there was something called a pencil. And you would write down your directions. But there were many men who did not even need this. They'll know it when they see it. <laughs> so they come to the crossroads, 54, 55, 44, 55, 45, doesn't make a difference. And they're looking at it. It's trees, as far as you can see. And it says, it's to the left. And they start driving with a confidence that only a man who has no idea where he's going could have. Three miles, four miles, five miles, and he says, no, it was the other way. And he turns around. Five miles, and he starts driving the other direction. Ah, uh, this is the rest of the way. Three miles, four miles, five miles. I was right the first time. Turns around, heads there, turns around again. There are still people from last summer going a little, another two miles down the road, and back here, you know, until they hit Liberty or Binghamton or something. You know, they're just going to keep... Going back and forth. And wives have this terrible thing that I don't know where they're coming from. They say, why don't you ask someone? <laughs> because we know, okay? Because we just know. And we'll know it when we'll see it. It's a tree. There's a tree there somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> so uh, so uh, that's it. You know, the, the women had their mother. I. What about all the facts? They weren't troubled by facts. They had aftakas. But the men saw the world was collapsing. They saw everything going. So they bring the jewelry. Iron said they gave you the jewelry. No, we ripped it off. That makes sense. Okay, let's throw it in the fire. And we'll set up a committee to decide what to build. Take a bunch of Jews together, put out some coffee and cake. This could go on for weeks. It's not a problem. Until we decide what to bake, how we'll make it. But of course, Micha was there. Micha, who Moshe Rabbeinu had the brilliant idea of pulling out of the wall, even though Kodesh Baruch Hu said it was a bad idea, but of course we're always smarter than God. You know, I was going through a hard time once, I had a Hasidic friend, and he says to me, he looks at me, he sees right away on my face. He says, Rabbi Yitzchak was once walking with his Hasidim, and he stopped and he said to them, 
If I was a Kaddish Baruch Hu, you know what I would do right now? I said, what? I said, just what he's doing. Why, you think I'm smarter than him? <laughs> it suddenly hit me. Yeah, we're all smarter than him. No, I mean, on the grand scale, I think you're doing fine with the rest of the universe, but this particular thing, I think you really dropped the ball on. So just give me this over, because I know better, you know? So, uh, you know, so, so Micha throws in the little Alari Shore, and poof, out comes the ego fully formed. Says Rashi. Vayar Aharon, Shahayaba Ruachayim. It was alive. Shane'amar Kesavnish Shore Ochel Esav. It came out walking and talking and eating grass. And the entire universe went back to normal. Zoop! The Choshek was gone. The Arvavir was gone. We saved the universe. Oh, come on. If you were there at that point, you wouldn't have given each other a Shkayach. Shkayach! Shkayach! I have to explain this when I am an Eretz show and I speak to none from groups, you know. They, can't, they have no idea what this is, you know. They just when they do something, you know, whatever it is, people go, oh, Shkayach! You know, so I, I said, that's just how Yeshiva people communicate, you know. Sometimes when I'm doing a, something for a yeshiva audience, I tell a joke. They don't even laugh. They just say, shkayach, shkayach. Taki, it's funny. Let me see. Yeah, yeah. Ah, 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 ah. Yeah, yeah, shkayach. <laughs> anyway, you wouldn't give yourself a shkayach? You saw the world collapsing. You saw Moshe dead. And you, with your foresight, managed to get Chor out of the way, managed to arm twist iron to do the right thing. And look at that. Here comes this Egel. And now everything is good. And everything is fine. And we save the world. And you want to know why these people did what they did? Can you explain to me Yehoshua? By the way, Yehoshua is the only member of Klai Yisrael who missed the whole ego. Shemit Levi is screaming, stop, stop, stop. Here, Rav is saying, here is your God. You know, this thing is walking around eating grass. You know, no one knows what's going on. Who is lying there dead? Moshe's up in Shemayim fighting for Klai Yisrael. And Yehoshua is clueless. He doesn't even know anything's going on. Moshe comes down, yeah, and he's waiting. Oh, look at that, little stars are exploding. Hmm. Yeah, he's waiting for Moshe. Oh, all the mountains are collapsing. Hmm. Oh, look at that, all the uh, seas are pulled away. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, just waiting here for Moshe. <laughs> and when Moshe comes down, he goes, sounds like trouble in the camp, Batman. What should we do? He says, well, let's go see. Okay. You know, he doesn't even know what's going on. Moshe knows, everybody knows, everyone has a role to play. The one member of Klaeser who missed the whole thing. Small wonder when he went with the Maraglim, he was sitting in the front of the bus with the tour guide, you know. Kalev got in with them, he sat in the back, they were spitting Garinim, you know, he was doing the whole routine so that he could counteract them. Nobody would bother talking to Yeshua, they knew he was the goody-goody. He had nothing to do with the eagle, he had nothing to do with this, and the rest of the time he was cleaning up the farm and setting up the chairs. You know those kids? Anyway, <laughs> they become the next leaders of Klaeser. But anyway... But um, uh, how could you not make this mistake? How did Shevet Levi not make, the, uh, not make this mistake? You, if you listen to the story, the way Rashi tells it, you wouldn't have participated in the ego. And I can say that because I know I'm a Kohen and I was on the right side. So that's okay. I know. You know, you know my people, we helped build the ego and then we killed the people who built it. Because we're, you know... We got you coming and going. You know? <laughs> we know our job. But, okay, so I knew I was on the right side. But when I read Rashi, how could anyone stand up to such a Nisayan? And I got a better question for you. Is this playing fair? Come on, you showed me Moshe dead. You showed me the entire universe collapsing. Is that fair? Doesn't the sudden have to play fair? Okay, so let's go to Gan Eden. We've got a cast of three. Adam, Chava, and the Nachash. And Hashem comes and he says, okay, what happened? What happened? <laughs> so I, I, Adam said what men have been saying for thousands of years. It's my wife's fault. That's all. Yeah, that's one of the main reasons people get married. You have nobody to blame anything on. You can try blaming it on your mom, but after a while when she's like in the nursing home and I get you know, Oh my, I asked my mother to take, uh, take care of this. You know what I mean? It'd <laughs> be a little hard for her to get out, don't you think? You know? So, Baruch Hashem, we always have a wife who can blame things on you. It's my wife's fault. She gave, me the, she gave me the fruit and I ate it. I said to the wife, the wife says, not my fault. Snake, the snake uh, fooled me. 
you know, I'm just, I'm just a nice little girl, and the snake came over and lied to me and misled me. It's not my fault. So Hashem says, okay, we're going to start giving out punishments. The Nachash says, you know, I didn't have a chance to say anything in my own defense. He says, okay, let's start with you, Nachash. He says, could I please say something? I were going to cut off your legs, you're going to eat dirt, and we're going to smash your head. Okay, that's it. I'm saying something anyway. You told me to! You put me in Gan Eden. You told me to tempt the Jewish people. I did it in record time. I should get a raise and a promotion. And instead, you're going to cut off my feet and make me eat dirt? It's like they say in the unions, don't work too hard or you'll lose your job. You know what I mean? Oh, this is so unfair. So, he says, you don't understand, Nachash. You did a great job. You did too great a job. When humanity was up here and you were up here, then that's a contest. Could you imagine how hard it is to get somebody to do a chait when he has no yetzahara inside of him that's only external? You did a great job. You messed up all of mankind and destroyed the world. I really applaud your efforts. But now what? You're up here, mankind's down here. It's not a contest. Take a fourth grade girl, a really tough fourth grade girl, and let her fight the heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah? It's not going to be a contest. Let's go, boom, out the back wall. It's not even a contest. You think you're going to fight the eight Sahara? You think you're going to stand up to the Satan? That's why there's a Gemara starring Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Meir. And the Satan turns himself into a beautiful woman. And this one's swimming the river. And this one's climbing the tree. And he turns back into the Satan and says, Just remember, Akiva, I could take you anytime I want, but Hashem doesn't let me. But don't get too carried away. You're going to fight the Yetzirah. You're going to fight the Satan. I will crush you like an eggshell, little man. Crush. You don't stand a chance. So Eloat, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, so to speak, I cut off your legs. I tell your arms behind your back. You can only attack from the back. I'm not going to let you go at humanity full force because they won't stand a chance. But at Har Sinai, we reach the level of Adam Kodem And our clarity was perfect. And we understood everything. I'll explain to you what I mean, we understood everything. People say, Adam Kodem they ate from the eight Sadas. They didn't know, and now they know. But but they didn't know. Chagiga says that other regions go from one side of the world to the other. Somebody he doesn't know? He was able to look at every animal and understand all of its places and everything about it and had to give it a name that captured its essence. He didn't know? He knew everything. Adam Chava had two children in Gan Eden in record time because the pregnancy and the, and the birth took place instantaneously. When I was growing up, you know, I remember my father had a dark room, you know, you take a picture and then you take out the film and you put it in this liquid and that liquid and you had the little red light bulb and you hung it up and the whole thing. Now you take a picture you say, how do you like it? You want another one? Here's another one. We'll take 15 in a row. Zim, 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 you know? You don't like the little... Because when I get to take that off. Here they are. I like it. I put it online instantly. Everybody can see you all over the world. You know? Damn. There it is. You know? That's what it was like. Today, giving birth is like when my father used to They were digging in Eretzvel and they cannot find over 5,000 years ago any wires. It was a little digital. But anyway, so, it's not a riot. So, uh, I don't know why Discovery doesn't use it. But anyway, but, uh, you know, they came right uh, You were dealing with, with even after the Chayyim, other Marisham, it says that, that a kid would come out. Before the model, a kid would come out, walk across the room to get the knife to cut the umbilical cord. Well, the expression, you had to cut the cord sometime? No problem. As soon as he comes out, he was cutting it. You know what I mean? He was on his own. He says, Mom, you okay? Can I get you something, Mom? Up? You know? No problem. You know? Came out fully made. Bread grew on the trees. You didn't have to, you know, cut it and sit on and fresh it and widow and all that kind of stuff. I hope class, you know. You know, the bread grew on the tree. Pull it right out. If, uh, if it found like a darkwood tree, then it was a pumpernickel, you know, and, you know, a little donut bush off to the side, you know what I mean? And everything was all made for you. You didn't have to do anything. The people, the world was in perfection. So, it wasn't an Eitz Hadas. It was the Eitz Hadas Toiv 
And the eight said Das Ra. What is Das? Das is always Chibor. Chibor is connection. The Yedah Adam as Chava Ishtai. A total connection. Das means that I have integrated something into myself as a sense of reality. Says Rashi, Chachma is acquired information. They're facts. Bina is how I understand that information. Das is the conclusion I come up with. Yeah? And when I know something, if I really know something, it becomes part of the essence of who I am. People say, I know. I know, yeah, yeah, I know. They don't know. The best raya is if they say it twice. I know, I know. Yeah? I, for years, worked with teenagers, you know, and they'd say to me at some point, the most frightening thing you could hear, don't worry, Rabbi, I know what I'm doing. And I said, I also know what you're doing. That's the problem. <laughs> I know you think you know what you're doing, but you have no idea. Because we can believe something to be true. Yeah, it's not true. So we say sometimes, I know, and not only do we not know, we could care less. When I went to school, the way we remembered the planets was by a, numeri- a mnemonic device. Mary visits every Monday and just stays until noon because they didn't have Pluto. Then they found Pluto. And they said, Mary visits every Monday and just stays until noon, period. So it was a little lame. And then they made up a new one. My very educated mother just served us nine pizzas. And two years ago, they decided that Pluto is not a planet. So everybody who went to school after me, they have a real problem. My very educated mother just served us nine just left hanging. I just take off the period. I don't have a problem. And you know, I told people, I said, did you hear? Pluto's not a planet. You know, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody. I, I can't find people to be emotionally invested in this at all. I had a kid who said to me, you know, when Dumbledore died, I cried. For those of you who don't appreciate the reference, call Kavod. For those of you who are pretending you don't understand the reference, call Kavod also. <laughs> Just as good. Yeah? The guy says to me, when Dumbledore died, I cried. He looks at me and he says, I didn't cry when my grandfather died. <laughs> I said, well, you're more invested in Dumbledore than you are in your grandfather. You spent more time with him. You know what I mean? It's just unbelievable. You know, the, the things that are important to us can sometimes be things that don't even exist. You know what that means to be more emotionally involved in a fictional character than your own grandfather? And, and that's what it is. That's, that is Das Ra. Das Ra is illusion. It's make-believe. This world is filled with illusion and we all buy into the illusion. Uh, 1978, I had an NCSY chapter in Los Angeles. In 1985, one of my former NCSYs was getting married and I went out to Los Angeles with my wife and my two-month-old baby. And I decided that he really wanted to see Disneyland. Now, only parents can understand to your two-month-old children their own <laughs> communication, but it was clear that that's what he wanted. And uh, I didn't feel like I was going to start off by denying him his dream. I, ca- I slept him all the way out as a small child. So we go to Disneyland, and they had just opened uh, the haunted house. Okay, so ghosts are flying at you, things are flying at you. And, I was like, and then as you're leaving, there was a sign that said... Don't pick up any hitchhiking ghosts. Okay, it's good advice anytime, as far as I'm concerned. But okay, I wasn't planning to. And as our little car is going by, I see us in the mirror, and sitting in between us is a ghost. Now listen what I do. I'm a somewhat educated, you know, person with a certain amount of muna. I turn to look. Of course there's no ghost there. I look back. He winks and waves at me. I look a second time. <laughs> because the, the illusion was so perfect. How could it be? I mean, I see him. He's right there. Says Masil Shashem in Paragimel, because of the illusions of this world, you could think that good is bad and bad is good. What's bad? Mevayush somebody barabim. Would we agree that that's bad? You lose your place in Olam Haba. So you can use any example that you like. I usually, I'm speaking to students, so, you know, they're living in dormitories, you know, and there's some boy or some girl in the apartment, you know, 
never does the dishes, you know, doesn't clean up after themselves, takes everybody else's milk, you know. And somebody starts screaming at them in front of everything. You know, your mom is a gun of. You know what I mean? You don't do anything. Why do you think this is okay? And they start yelling at him, and everybody else is embarrassed. And the person says, what do you think, I'm doing this for me? I'm doing this for you. Someone has to stand up to them. I'm the tzaddik. I be mevayish ayid berabim, and I am a tzaddik, because I look at bad, and I see it as good. It says in Pirkei Avos, you don't give and you encourage other people not to give, that's called a rasha. I was in a shul on a, on a weekday morning in Yerushalayim, here Kodesh. And this guy's walking around collecting. I don't know his story. Maybe he's a phony. I don't know. Maybe he has a physical disability and he, and he, you know, and he, uh, he can't work. I don't know what the story is. You know? People, people, you know, I forgot who it was who tells the story that, you know, this guy, he was in the supermarket and the guy bangs his cart into him. He says, what, are you blind? Yeah, the guy was blind. <laughs> you know, like, talk about stupid. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, you just don't even realize what you're saying, you know? You, know, you don't know what the story is. And this Balabas from the shul is walking him around, walking after him, saying to everybody, don't give him stalker. You're just enabling him. Make him go out and get a job. I don't know if he can get a job. I don't know anything about it. I don't know what his situation is. Maybe his kids are sick. Maybe he runs back and forth to the hospital all day. I don't know. You don't know. But you think that you're doing something good by going around and encouraging people not to give stalker, even though it says, if you do this, you're a Russia. Because you can look at bad as if it's good and good as if it's bad. And that's the Kayach of illusion. They reach the level of Adam Kodem Achet. HaKadosh Baruch Hu opens up all the Rakiyas. Take a look. Do you see anything? Nothing there? Nothing there. Look in the home. Anything there? Nothing there? Nothing there. Look over here? Look over there. You see there's nothing? You understand? Do you grasp reality? Yes? Good. Look, the world's falling apart. Ah! Well, that didn't take too long. How long did it take for you to lose your hold on reality? Right? Okay. Rav Noah Weinberg Zatzal, the founder of Asha Torah, he used to give a marshal. So you're sitting on a plane, and uh, you're coming back from your cell, you're learning, and you see a bacha sitting next to you, and say, Shalom Aleichem, where are you from? Flappish. Oh, most of them Flappish, you know. So, uh, where? So, uh, you know, Avenue K. And I said, oh, really? Where? Between East this and East that. And I said, oh, I can't believe it, that's my block. What's your family name? You know, Cohen. My family name is Cohen. What's your first name? Moshe. I'm Moshe Cohen. The guy shrugs, pulls out his passport. Your name, your address, his picture. Pulls out his library card. Your name, your address, his picture. He pulls out his driver's license. Your name, your address, his picture. He pulls out a family photo, and he's where you're supposed to be. Okay? Gets me a little nervous. I don't talk to him for the rest of the flight. This being the safe side. <laughs> I get there, I get my luggage, I get into a taxi, I come home and I see this guy walking into my house. I knock on the door. My mother opens the door. I said, Mom. I says, excuse me? Moshe Cohen. I says, that's my son who just came back from Israel. I says, no, 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 I'm Moshe Cohen. And the other guy sticks his head out and goes, Mom, he's confused. He says, I'm sorry, young man, I can't help you. And shuts the door. What do you conclude at that point? I'm insane. I didn't know it until now, but I'm clearly insane. Right? Just didn't know. You know? So, uh, okay. You know, I'll take myself into an institution. That's how strong your hold on reality is? That means you're sure that your whole life has been nothing? Everything that's happened till now is all just nonsense? Maybe there's a different explanation, bizarre as it may be. Maybe they're aliens and they assumed your role. You know? Maybe the CIA is involved. Maybe someone has a gun to your mom's head. Not that we've ever seen it, but there's at least 20 films with this plot. Find an investigative reporter, you'll have a few car chases, and you'll solve this. You know what I mean? But my whole life was not... I'm crazy? Because that's how strong I hold on reality. I love this one. I have people say to me, 
You Orthodox Jews, you all dress exactly the same. You have no identity. I said, if you need clothes to have an identity, you don't have any. He said, don't worry about it. I said, somebody puts on their clothes and they become you. You know? I said, do you imagine how pathetic you are that you need an outfit to have an identity? You know? Trust me. In all of my years, no one ever said to me, you know, Rami Alonsky, you're like a carbon copy of everybody else. No one has ever said that to me. You know what I'm saying? Even though I try to dress like everybody else, you know, but nobody thinks I'm like everybody else, you know? But it's, just, it's, so, it's so, that's what it is. It's so illusion. You know why we built the Egel? Because we were so, we were so fooled by the illusions. And can you imagine the look on their face when Moshe comes down and they're like, uh-oh, awkward moment. I have a, Talmud is English, uh, and he would go out with these uh, seminary girls, and every now and then when there was a lull in the conversation, one of them would go, uh-oh, awkward moment. <laughs> so this is like the definition of awkward moment. You're dancing around the Egel, and there's Moshe with the Luchos, and you're like, oh boy. And then he smashes them. And he says, I, I, I'll see if I can get, save you guys from being destroyed. You know? And you're like, oh man. I can't believe I blew it. How did Shevet Levy see through this? He says, because Moshe told you he was coming back stupid. Didn't you remember that part? You know? Yeah, but I thought, you thought, you idiot. Look what you did. Dummy. You know? I told you you were wrong. Didn't I tell you you were wrong? Yeah, but, you know. Okay, thank you very much. You know? Gosh, I hate to, I hate to throw it in your face, but you really blew it this time, didn't you? Didn't you? All right, all right, all right. That's how you become a lady, by the way. The Midas Adin. Yeah? So uh, we fell for the illusions. And we don't do it today. Every single time people do something that they know is wrong, is that an illusion? I'll, I'll pick something relatively benign. Yeah? You're sitting at a Shabbos table and you're looking at that dessert. And you're trying to decide should I eat that dessert or not? And you say the following. I'll hate myself tomorrow. Now, why would you eat something that's going to fill you with self-loathing? You understand? Why? Because it's calling out to you. I will make you happier than you've ever been. (laughs) Just look at me. Mmm. Yeah? I have type 2 diabetes. Some people are born with it. I worked very hard to achieve this. You know, this didn't come easily. I really had to abuse myself for many years. And sometimes I'm good and sometimes I'm bad. My nutritionist always says you're not supposed to say that, but those of us who have it know either you're good or you're bad. And when I'm good and I'm only eating the things that I'm allowed to have, which, um, you know, basically you'll live longer but you won't want to. So, um, <laughs> so when I'm being good, so somebody says to me, oh, you have to really try this dessert. And I say, is it worth dying for? I don't know if it's worth dying for. I mean, I think it's pretty good, you know. Sometimes they say, yes, this is worth dying for. I said, then I'll have to taste it. And only once were they right. I would have actually died. (laughs) But do you understand? You understand the question? Do you want to eat this piece of cake and die or live and not eat this piece of cake? And you'd actually say, eat the piece of cake? That's how we are. We get caught up in all the illusions. You know, I, I, I live in Eretzschel, so at least here when people do something bad, they're at least conscious of it. In Eretzschel, <laughs> this guy comes into the colo, an Israeli guy, he double parked. He had to go in and get something. There was no park. He spots, he double parked. The alternative was to park a block away, has So, you know, Israelis usually would drive right up into the store itself. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so he parks, and he comes out, and this American guy's waiting 10 minutes to pull out, and he starts yelling at him. He goes, and he comes in, and he was shocked. What did I do to him? So he had to wait 10 minutes. No, what's the big deal? <laughs> it wasn't like, gee, I feel bad I locked him in. What's he yelling at me for? So what if he had to wait? <laughs> we do things. We do things. You know, don't we send double messages all the time? Right? To our kids? Stop yelling! I can't get the yelling in here! Stop yelling! And don't hit! <laughs> we don't even realize it. The father saying, the Rebbe said that you lied. Is this true? <laughs> oh. <laughs> the kids try to figure out an answer and they say, Mr. Weiss is on the phone. Tell him I'm not here. 
uh, this is very important on the trip. <laughs> but I didn't realize it. I, I was in a show where a guy is sitting there talking and talking and talking, and, the rev, and, and finally the rev goes, Shah! And this guy bangs on the table, Shah! Shah! <laughs> All of a sudden, he's the guy by you. Know what I'm saying? You know, you know, you were talking just a second ago, because we get caught up with all the illusions. We get caught up with the illusions, and we know we shouldn't do that, and we know we shouldn't eat that, and we know we shouldn't go there, and we know we shouldn't wear that, and we know we shouldn't say that. But the illusion, the illusion, is so powerful, and that's what Shavasapatamas is. You have an opportunity to choose between Das Toiv and Das Ra. You can decide if you're going to live your life with reality, wherever that takes you, even if it's not what everybody else is doing, even if it's not so popular, even if it's not so easy, even if I have to do stuff that I don't want to do, even stuff that's going to cost me money, even things that are going to have effect on my family, or I could buy into the illusion. And I can take the short and easy and sweet and lose in the long term what reality really has to offer. When we can shake out the reality, and as I mentioned, Rashi says at least four places, the Miraglam is just a follow-through of the ego. When we can figure out how to break out of this illusion and embrace what we're really supposed to do and look at things honestly, then Amir Tzah Hashem even though we had to make it through a Tishabav, uh, a Shavasa Batamas, Hashem, this Tishabav, we're going to eat meat. And hopefully we won't have to even have a Nidra. Should all be Zaychit Regula.